Welcome to the audio podcast, the weekly sermon of the First Presbyterian Church of Brooklyn. We continue our multi-access worship both online in our recently renovated sanctuary. Sunday morning service is in person at 11 a.m. and we are live on firstchurchbrooklyn.org as well as the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Now, this week's message. Dear God, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for the kindness and warmth that we sense from you and that we feel in the frames of our neighbors. God, I pray that over the next few minutes as I attempt to speak and guide us closer somehow into accordance with your call, I pray that you would animate my words, that you would fill them with your spirit and with a special divine meaning when they would be empty otherwise. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the sermon this morning is is supposed to be pretty lighthearted for the most part, Um, but unfortunately I have to make um, a prefatory comment that's a little heavier. It's not related to the core message of the sermon, but I just feel that uh, it's, it's morally inescapable. Our Hebrew Bible reading this morning evokes the specter of the Amalekite, one of the fabled enemies of ancient Israel. They're one of the people that God tells Israel to totally destroy. And the Amalekites have been evoked again in recent days by the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, as he and other Israeli leaders manufacture legitimacy for the atrocities being carried out in Gaza. Right, things that have translated into over 90% civilian deaths, over 20,000 people killed, the hospitals, schools, and most basic civil infrastructures destroyed in northern Gaza. And this so terrifyingly comports with what the Bible asked ancient Israel to do. The Bible says, I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. And this is the mythology that Netanyahu explicitly invoked. And now as I see new videos every day of babies with their faces blasted off and tiny hands and fists and feet separated from bodies, thousands and thousands and thousands of them, I'm aware that I'm observing one possible response to the biblical witness. One way of honoring a text held as sacred, one that is manifested wherever the colonial mindset prevails especially among the white Christian world which perfected it. I can only hope that our response is the exact antithesis, but it will take work to disabuse ourselves of the colonialist thinking which has been our milk. This is part of what the peacemakers study seeks to do. But having said that, not ignoring the presence of the Amalekite in our text, The message that I want to leave you today, with which I want to leave you today, is 
actually not directly related to any of this. I'm thinking through this text in light of the imminent arrival of our new interim pastor, Reverend Noble. She's going to be here next week. She's going to be here during the week working with us, and she'll be leading in worship on Sunday. And I'm so excited for her to be here. Her wealth of experience, her many talents, her kindness, and warmth and sensitivity and wisdom, her acumen for running a church, facilitating all the institutional bits alongside careful pastoral ministry, she's going to be such a blessing to us. And I see her in this text as Moses, as the leader of the people of God during a process of transition, during their wanderings and among their battles, internal and external. And I have every confidence in her ability to lead our congregation through the process which will eventually result in a senior pastor. And I'm equally confident in our ability to receive her well to follow her leadership, to draw from her deep wells of knowledge and experience and lift her up in all the ways available to us. So the image that sits before my imagination is this. Aaron and her lifting up their leader, providing support for his work, contributing themselves to a common project, eager to serve and facilitate the work of God among the people. Moses is meant to lead the people of God, not forever, but until they get where they're going. Moses is present for the transition of the people of God from one point on their journey to the next and no farther. He serves for a time, and his work is invaluable, but there are certain boundaries placed around it. There are many moments where his leadership is crucial and transformative, and this is one of those stories, and it's a powerful image. As long as Moses' hands are raised, the people of God stay on the right track. They move forward, overcoming obstacles and enemies as they approach the purposes of God. But he can only keep them raised so long until Aaron and her have to step in to support him lifting his arms themselves. They do this all day until the battle is finally won, keeping Moses' hands steady till sunset. Christian interpreters have seen in this image a prefiguration of the cross, of Jesus' arms outstretched as the Spirit of God destroys the forces of evil. We've also seen in it the position of prayer, one's hands lifted up towards the heavens, inviting God to descend into our situation. But eventually, as Moses presides over this protracted struggle, he grows tired, and his arms begin to shake and falter, and the people start to lose their direction. And they begin to regress. He realizes that even with his great gifts and the importance of his position, he can't do it alone. What Moses needs is support. He needs his people. He needs Aaron and her bearing the burden alongside him. And they're there to do so, right next to him, 
anticipating his needs, making themselves busy, providing relief and support. They find a rock for him to sit on. They lift each of his arms themselves, an act of physical and spiritual solidarity. Moses' community joins him in this special work, supporting it in whatever ways they can imagine. And without this community's support, Moses couldn't lead. He doesn't have in himself the strength that's required to carry out the task. He needs the community's mutuality and reciprocity. He needs the people to support his leadership. So I see in you and me, Aaron and her. Because Reverend Noble can't be expected to come in here and lead us alone. She's been called to carry out a specific work, one that has a particular institutional shape, set of outcomes and time stamp, and none of it is possible if we don't join in with her. So let's join in, and let's make it easy and productive And let's get the most out of this investment. Some of y'all know that I box. And we work a lot on shoulder strength. So I'm always lifting weights above my head, sometimes doing reps with heavy weight. But I spend a lot of time holding small weights at arm's length, kind of like this or up this. And while it's really easy at one level, after a while, it gets really, really hard. And my arms start shaking, and my arms are are, are about to give out. But my coach will sometimes come up, and will just barely with the little finger, you know, just kind of keep the arm up a little bit, and I can do it longer, right? And I can get more out of the exercise. A spotter just nudging my arms upward, bearing some of that weight along with me. So I think we can do something like that for Reverend Noble. We can find a rock for her to sit on, or something more comfortable than that. We can lift her arms, and we'll probably get tired too, right? If I have to lift someone else's arm all day, I'll get just as tired. So let's make it more than two of us. Let's make it the whole community. Let's take turns lifting her up, bearing the burdens of the work with her. It's got to be more than two of us. Remember that while Aaron and her were helping Moses, the rest of the community was in on it too, down in the trenches, fighting, honoring Moses' leadership and the other leaders who were joining in with him. So we've all got to pitch in. We've all got to support Reverend Noble in whatever ways are available to us. And this can be so simple on one level, Like we just have to be our warm and welcoming selves to her. Be kind and considerate towards her. Check in on her, ask her how she's doing, how we can support her. Be responsive, communicate. If she needs folks for a project, volunteer. If she needs worship leaders, sign up. Be available to her. Be open to her ideas and explore the generative possibilities of transition with her. It won't always be easy to do this. The folks in leadership don't always do what we wish they would do. They frustrate us sometimes, and we will frustrate them. 
But we can't ever lose our sense of partnership. Don't allow any poisonous feeling flower in you which sees anyone else here as an enemy. If there's something you're unhappy with during this transition, talk with the source of that frustration. Approach them, not to condemn or reprimand, but to understand, to communicate about your discomfort. That's, that's all we can do. Conflict is inevitable, and the only way through is by deepening relationship with the ones with whom we feel a rift. Paul's words are so relevant to all of this. He says, But we appeal to you, siblings, to respect those who labor among you and have charge of you in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, beloved, to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul asks us to respect those whose charge we are in and to esteem them very highly in love. That's the kind of energy that we need to meet Reverend Noble with. She should know how much we respect and esteem her all the time, even when she might admonish us, as the text says, which is to say she might ask things of us. She might call us into something deeper and more difficult or that disrupts a comfortable process, but we need to respect her vision and leadership. We're also asked to admonish others ourselves, to correct the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with everyone, and refuse to pay evil with evil. I think another way of saying this is that the best way that we can support Reverend Noble is by loving one another taking care of one another, not giving ourselves to arguments or frustration, not letting disagreements fester, but moving closer toward one another, taking responsibility for breakdown in relationship, making it our obligation to heal the hurt that we feel, even when we think we're the ones who've been hurt. I think we support Reverend Noble not just by listening to her, supporting her and assisting her in, in her particular work, but by taking care of ourselves and one another, investing in our own character formation, and taking seriously these duties as members of a Christian body, seeking relationship, providing care, building up the body alongside her in accordance of mind and spirit. This is what I'm committing to. My every intention will be to lighten the load for Reverend Noble, to place myself alongside her in the work of caring for this place through transition, to hold her hands up as she ministers over this moment of God, this movement of God, and I'd love for you to join me. So if you've heard me this morning, and if you agree with this sentiment, 
And if you would commit to holding up Reverend Noble's hands, supporting her work, building her up in love and esteem until the sun sets on our time together, would you just raise your hands with me? Amen. I believe we will. Let's remember this promise. Let's remain inspired to offer ourselves to Reverend Noble and support her in all the ways that we can think to. I'm so excited for what we're all going to build together. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust you were fed as well as challenged by the content. This audio archive supplements a video library of the entire service. The video, along with music from our internationally recognized gospel choir, is available on firstchurchbrooklyn.org. We provide multi-access worship options both in person and online Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We are live in the sanctuary, as well as firstchurchbrooklyn.org and the church Facebook page at facebook.com firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Visit firstchurchbrooklyn.org for more information on both online and in-person worship. Remember that now, as always, you are loved.